So coming to you live from the skywalk between our vast manor buildings, or the buildings of our vast manor, as you might say, it is the Ditch Diggers Season 9, Episode 4, with special guest star Fonda Lee, soon to be known only as Fonda. And ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice So you're writing career To be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off Believe me she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right Yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks Buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way To make your writer shut up It's hard work But the perk is that It's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there When you're done writing Ditch diggers Welcome, Vonda. Hi, Matt. Hi, Fonda. It's good to see you, Matt. Hey, Mer. Really glad you were able to make it, Fonda. It's so glad to have you here. Uh, your new book, uh, Untethered Sky, back. not The Untethered Sky, but Untethered Sky is coming out in a couple of weeks, and uh, you've been digging ditches for quite some time. You're one of our earliest guests, and we're just glad to have you back. How's it going? It's going pretty well. I mean, yeah, another book coming out. Which, uh, like you said, digging more ditches. And uh, yeah, excited to share it with the world. It's a novella, which is um, kind of new for me. I've recently written some pretty chonky fantasy novels. So <laughs> this was a project that I had um, started and shelved many years ago and got a new life um, when uh, Tor.com asked if I would write a novella. And I was like, a novella sounds fantastic. Sounds short. Short sounds fantastic. <laughs> short sounds anything but five, you know, seven hundred page tombs. Yes. Yay. I have actually had the opportunity to read the novella. I was very privileged uh, to read an advanced uh, a copy of it and give a blurb. And Fonda, like, I legitimately am a huge fan. Like all the way back to when we had you in two thousand fifteen, I read uh, Zero Boxer. Like you just like Fonda writes my shit. Like this is Fonda is my kind of author. So I've been a fan all that time. I'm, I'm so delighted. And this may be my favorite book of yours, to be totally honest with you. Oh my gosh. Is, I'm a huge monster hunter, monster hunting story mark to begin with. Like, it's one of my favorite, like, sub, sub genres. And this is just like, it's you doing monster hunting your way. And it's amazing. I absolutely, legitimately loved it. And I'm just really, I really hope everybody gets into it and digs it because it's, it's so good. I want to see this as a movie or a TV series so badly. Like, all of your stuff, I want to see how that happened to. But this would just be so good. So I really, really loved it, man. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. You totally made my like week, month when uh, when you loved it. Because I feel like you are my target reader in many ways. And so, oh, Matt loved it. Yes, I, it worked. I, I hope there are a million more of me that I'm not aware of. I tend to think that I'm a singular. I would love that. Yeah, just if if we could just clone you for you know another three hundred thousand mats. Then I could, uh, I, or, I that I then my career would be set. I'd be short term clones, just, just enough to buy your book and read them, and then exactly. perish and melt away. To exist. We, we don't need a bunch of me out there running around. That's a terrible idea. But in the short term, only if just you for could control books. all the other use, like if you were the alpha mat, I think. Well, the alpha mat. <laughs> you know when um, when Calvin tried to clone himself, and he just to do his for someone else to do his homework but he realized all the clones were just like him and wanted someone else to do the work in that right. way lies danger 
It does, and I mean, it's an ad metaphor, because honestly, like, I worry about a bunch of me wreaking havoc, but they really just sit around and watch YouTube videos all day and try to avoid writing. Like, it wouldn't it wouldn't amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of Murs would uh, sit around and play with the Switch and then argue over the Switch. Because <laughs> one, one Switch, several Because it'd be one Switch, I was going to say, yeah. Bad, bad. Yeah, I feel like all the Fondas would, would, like, divvy up the work and then all, like just sit around feeling like bad that they had like, <laughs> if you really strong start to, like... a really strong organizational starts like we've divvied up tasks we're all good to go but then it's just like you realize you're still you with the task in front yeah of right 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 it's like now i'm just procrastinating like now all of us are procrastinating together yeah. it's just but, infinite yeah. procrastination it's like inception but just with a bunch of writers sitting around not writing yeah <laughs> Most boring clone story ever, honestly, now that we really think about it. But anyway, <laughs> this is my here. I love this. There isn't going to be a clone army of me to buy Fauna's book, sadly, so everybody else listening to this absolutely should, because it's because it's very, very good. Yes, um, the link is in the chat, and the link yeah. um, will be in the show notes. And remember, pre-orders help out authors so much. So yes. uh, if you can, give it a pre-order. Matt, how are Please you doing? Do. And there's also a pre-order um, campaign going on. So if you pre-order before it comes out you can get a uh, a laptop sticker and a signed book plate oh stickers stickers come oh, on who doesn't love stickers, stickers? everybody Always wants stickers. stickers actually you i want to talk about that i should make a note but because uh, i want to check in how, how matt's doing um oh right we, we always do that in the show i always forget yeah but but I'm, i want to ask about the pre-order campaign but matt how's everything going Everything is going. Um, I'm grinding. I uh, we talked about uh, my new agent on the last episode, Becky mm-hmm. Lejeune at uh, Bond Literary, and Becky and I are hard at work pitching things, sending pitches, and then also working on the two books I have coming out uh, this year, which is Savage Crowns, which I actually just got a starred uh, review from Library Journal, which was <gasps> Congrats, nice. Congrats, dude! That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. It made- it made me happy. It made me happy. It's the last book in the trilogy, so, you know, wrapping that up. And it's, I've been working on that trilogy for what seems like forever at this point, and finally putting that to bed is a big deal. So that's coming out in June. And then I have a new middle-grade novel, Nowhere Special, coming out in um, October from Catherine Teigen. And Becky has been very lovely, even though she doesn't rep either of these books, and really working with me on the promotion and the marketing uh, side of things uh, to help them. So extremely happy with my new agent uh, relationship, and we're kind of working on just sort of writing a ship that uh, was starting to list a bit. So I haven't actually been doing a ton of writing book-wise. I mean, I write for a living for video games, and that's that's going fantastically well, too. But on the book side of things, it's been more about prepping for books I have coming out and then putting together proposals and pitches for projects that I want to write and getting those out. So, But I'm feeling really good about everything, man. I feel very, uh, very revitalized as an author, and I'm excited about... Uh, what's coming up this year. Yeah. How are you, Mer? You have things happening. Me. I uh, took two weeks off for some personal family stuff, and I'm back at it now. Um, you know how when you've, you, you do productive procrastination, and sometimes it's just, oh, I did the dishes for the first time in two weeks, only because I didn't want to write kind of thing? <laughs> but I started um, a project I've been noodling about for a couple of years, and I've been trying to figure out if this is a novel or a novella or a, like a podcast script or something. And I've really struggled with it. And finally, I got the, um, I, I felt 
I, I felt like the last puzzle piece fell into place, and uh, the 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 log line is um, or the comp titles, it's red shirts meets Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> so <laughs> that I is, love it. I that, love it already. Yeah, it was good. That it was trying good, to be a rom com, and a it, good pitch. it just didn't work until I realized the red shirts angle had to be there. So um, I've been writing like hell on that, which is good. Except I also have book edits due, so um, I need to get back down to that. Uh, but yeah, otherwise I'm doing okay. Things, all all the crap that's happened in my life have been scheduled crap and has gone <laughs> as be- as well as it can. So. Or rather, I should just say the stress that happened did not get any more stressful than it could. No, wait, no. Everything has gone according to plan, but some of the plan was stressful. How's that? I think that was very well put and well articulated. Right, right, yeah. I right, understand right. why you've been nominated for so many writing awards now. <laughs> I never no, know when you're serious. Dude, I, I'm really glad that the stress level didn't increase. But I mean, you know... I was just thinking while you were saying that, it's like not to opine or be like, oh, us poor authors, but it's just one of the hard parts of the job is I think we have a job that just is affected by stress in life, you know, on, on a different level than like most jobs you go to where it can be sort of a paid by numbers thing. It's like I go and I, I do this mm-hmm. thing every day and what how I do it is dictated for me. When you have to like literally make up everything from scratch or it doesn't exist, like it's just the stress and everything can be a lot harder because it prevents you from doing that. And like, then you have nothing to work with. Like you have to come up with the ideas and create the world and create everything that you then write down or else there's, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, there's no kit you can buy mm-hmm. or preform you can buy or whatever. There's no templates, you know, there's no, uh, well, I, I know I still know how to build a chair and I have all the materials here. So even if I'm feeling shitty, I'm not enjoying it, but I can still build the chair. Like you can't build the chair because there is no chair. Mm-hmm. You have to literally create it. From scratch so that was a little rambly but that was just what was occurring to me while right. you were talking like that yeah. just no it's totally really, true yeah when life gets in the way it just it really sucks because it yeah. really it literally prevents you from from doing your job yeah, yeah. when you want especially because like Sorry, yeah ahead. i mean generative creative work takes a lot out of you like brain space wise so if your brain is being like consumed with other stuff it it's hard to like find that state right like that flow state where you can actually be sort of play around um, mm-hmm. And I find, I mean, sort of like in the, uh, like what Moore was talking about, planned stress. Like if I know there's going to be planned stress coming up or like some situation is just going to make it hard for me to be creative. I've now over the years, I've tried to figure out like what non or what lower effort stuff I can do mm. during those periods. Like if I know I'm going to be traveling, I'm going to have a bunch of family stuff coming up. It's like, can I do copy edits during that time? Can I like update my website you know like do the sort of author admin stuff or like the lower effort writing stuff um and i'll try and plan that around those times because you're right like it's it's hard to be to do the sort of the deep work that we need to do as writers so you have a backup plan that's just a stunning revelation for me because i just shut yeah. down early. that's amazing yeah me too that's that's, no, pretty, that's yeah that's, that's a really good I don't know if I'd call it a backup plan so much as like kind of like flailing for like what I can do to still be <laughs> well, somewhat productive well, when that, I'm not being productive. That's it. That that's that's the backup plan. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The difference is we all flail, but you actually grab onto something when you're flailing. 
So that's that's a big improvement right there. You find purchase. So I think you can make yeah. it sound much better than it is. <laughs> well, I have, I just have a lot of respect for that because I I just do the flailing, but I don't actually look for anything to reach and grab onto. So I, I'm missing that last step. But but you did hit you hit upon another thing, which I always like to reiterate, which is like doing this. We talk about the generating thing and the deep work on the creative side, but then there's also the part where you're literally running your own small business and not enough mm -hmm. time is spent talking about how that's a big part of being an author is you have this. I love what Premier said in the, in the chat. Um, I'm my own boss, but I'm a terrible manager. That's <laughs> so relatable. That yeah, absolutely. Is. Sorry. I mean, I totally miss it. Yes. Yeah. We're, yeah. I think the majority of us can, can be terrible managers and it's not, you know, hopefully you do get help. You get an agent, you have people, you have some kind of support system they can help you, but ultimately it, it kind of just does fall to you to manage all these things. Um, yeah, man, it's 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 tough. So anyway, so that's what Murr is doing. So kind of we talked, we we covered on. You have the new book came out. We covered a little bit, but as far as uh, what are you up to? Are you working on the next thing now? Like yeah. what's going on in your in yeah, your yeah. business life? Yeah, I feel like I was kind of um, last year where you are now, Matt, where I was like doing a lot of proposing mm -hmm. and, and like figuring out what my next project was going to be because. Last year was my year after the Greenbone Saga trilogy finished. Right. So I was at this place where I was like, wow, I finished this huge project. I have all these ideas that were sort of backlogged, but I also didn't know what to work on next because there were all these considerations like, do I want to do I want to do another fantasy project? Do I want to do sci-fi project? Do I want to you know do this or that? And and what's like, what do I personally want to do? But what will what is also, you know, my for lack of a better word, my brand now, right? Like what other, right. what else will like readers want from me? So all those things were like kind of swirling around my head and I was doing a lot of um, writing proposals and, and chopping them around. And um, what happened was that I ended up uh, having two um, projects take off and now I'm under contract under like two new book deals, two oh, duologies. Wow. And now I have nice. to actually like write <laughs> like a shit ton of stuff. <laughs> well, first of all, you know, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Great news. Yeah, no, it's all good, but it's one of those like, oh gosh, like I, y y you probably had these situations too where it's like, oh gosh, I'm like, I don't know what, uh, I, I feel like I'm not doing anything now to like, now everything has arrived and now right. you have to do it, right? right. Um, so, so Untethered Sky uh, launches in April, so I'll be doing promoting for that. And then I have um, a Greenbone Saga short story collection that comes out in July from Subterranean Press, and that's done. But you know that'll that'll uh, go out into the world in the summer. And I have two projects um, that I'm working on now. One is a science fiction duology uh, that's sold to Orbit, and the other is a YA fantasy duology um, that is an, a collaborative work for hire project with the Bruce wow. Lee estate. So now I've got like Oh two my god, right. Oh no, yeah. You did that. You talked about it on Twitter, didn't you? Am I remembering that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yes, like I totally forgot ago. about yeah. that. I'm getting excited all over again though cuz I'd forgotten about it. That is so amazing. Sorry, I'm just so, very excited. Yeah. Just lots of <laughs> lots of stuff to do. Uh, right. And I mean, it's all good, but but yeah, like there's also just I mean, I have I have uh, two teenagers and one of them is going through the whole like college application process right now. Oh God. That's that's <laughs> just like a whole other overwhelming like That's some prayers, strain. man. 
Johnson. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, but that, yeah, that is, that seems like the two modes of doing what we do. It's like you get these lulls where nothing is due, and then you go from that to everything is due at the same time all at once. Right. It's like, how the hell am I going to do any of this? So I I completely sympathize. But I'm just, as a fan, I'm so excited about the project. It's very hard to sympathize on the author level because I'm just like, write, thought, or write them so I can read them. But I totally get how that is that is overwhelming. Um, no, man, like in the in the in doing the proposal stuff that I'm doing now, like one of them I had to I have to write sample chapters for. And when I had to actually sit down to do the sample chapters, I was like, oh God, how do you write things? I don't remember. I've been to, oh my I've been, goodness. I've been restarting everything for so long and doing all the admin yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and finding the agent, putting all this stuff together. I hadn't actually written anything in months. And then I'm like, oh God, I forgot how to write. I actually have to write something. It's, uh, it's, and, and the worst yeah. thing, too, is like you have, you know, you can do it because you've written other books. Yeah. And right. the evidence is like on your shelf. But then you look at them and you're like, how did I do this? Like, I have no, it's like you have no recollection yeah. of like the actual process. Like, I, I, the, every new project, especially because I had spent so long writing one trilogy and in one world, right. I knew those characters, I knew that world. Starting something new, you have this like, there's sort of this terrifying just like blankness that comes over you where you're like googling how to write a book (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i have this i mean even though i've been doing a podcast about this thing for quite some time i still feel like if i just get the next issue of the writer or writer's digest or pick up the next craft book it's going to teach me something new and then i read it and then i think mm-hmm. oh what i really need to learn how to do is write these articles because i know all this shit i just didn't think to put it in an article and sell <laughs> it to the writer and mm-hmm. i i've been doing the I, you know i pull up save the cat writes a novel to get the story beats down and i know whenever i actually try to outline via that kind of story beats, I just, it gets all bland and boring. And um, I talked about this on I Should Be Writing, but I have only just now realized that I cannot answer the the question, how long does it take you to write a book? Because I don't know. Because I don't know where you start counting. Mm-hmm. I don't know when you stop counting. I don't know... Um, do I count the couple of times I get started then realize I'm telling from the wrong point of view or going in the wrong direction or I'm two years too early or three years too late in where the story needs to start and I've accepted the fact that my beginning process is going to be a lot of stops and starts. I've at least accepted that but still it's like the idea of estimating how long it's going to take me to write something I don't fucking know if I have a deadline, I will try to put it yeah. within that deadline. But like, just people tend to ask, like, how long does it take you to write a book? It's like, oh, well, if I just wrote a thousand words a day, sure. But right, are they the right words? I don't know. <laughs> are they the right words? That's a terrible question to ask, but you have to ask it. That's exactly. Yeah. And yeah. also every project's different too. That's the other thing. Like yes. some books, yeah. you know, you write uh, in a couple of months. Some books, it takes literally years to, to finally get them mm-hmm. out. So. That's a very subjective issue. So Fonda, Marie, with, with the yeah, sorry, go ahead. with the um, release of your new monster hunting novella, <clears throat> excuse me, following your gigantic epic trilogy, I'm only saying this because you know my last original book was uh, nominated for a bunch of awards, and 
early on when you when you release a book, you think, is this is anybody going to like this? And then mm-hmm. if they do, then you think the next book, oh my God, they're not going to like it as much as the last one. And because you were also nominated for a Hugo and have won lots of awards, how do you feel moving on to this new length and completely new world? Oh, it's terrifying. Okay, good. I mean, I don't really... <laughs> I'm relieved. I, I'm relieved. I think um, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, like, there's this um, this voice in the back of your head that's like, oh, gosh, like, I, I did something and people liked it. Can I ever do it again? Yeah. Right, like that. And I, I think there's that anxiety of... Um, you know, is this too different from, and and Untethered Sky is very different from the Greenbone Saga. The Greenbone Saga has been my most successful work to date, but I also needed to write something different after I was done it. So there was part of me that was like, uh, I, I want to write this. I, I, it's a project that I'm, um, I'm fond of and I, I want to see it through to completion, but also like, is anyone going to, going to follow me? Um, and if it isn't as successful and I, you know, I have no expectations, um, for anything that I write to live up to or not live up to like what I've written before, but at the same time, you know, that there is a career that you're trying to build. Right. And you don't, you have, there's, there's absolutely that anxiety of like, you're only as good as your last project. Um, and what if people don't like this? And, you know, and, and then have I like, taken some weird detour or, or, you know, taken my career in a, in a direction that's detrimental. Um, but at the same time, you have to kind of silence that voice in order to be able to keep enjoying your job and being creative because there's the external market pressure of, oh, you did this, people liked it, like, just keep doing that. Yeah. Versus the reason why we write is because we like to explore different worlds, different characters, different ideas, different voices um, in our in our writing. I'm, I mean, going from writing a big trilogy to a novella, um, going from writing, you know, multi-POV, like huge scope, big, lots of characters to very tight and focused and like intimate story. Like those are all awesome challenges for me as a writer. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Like some of my current readers may may love it and some of them may be like what i don't want this like i just wanted more of you know what you've already done um and and like i don't want to follow you to something new but um but yeah like i i i don't i don't i don't know how how you um what like words of advice or wisdom you have about like dealing with that sense of anxiety of like oh like i I'm shifting to something else and will people like it as much because I'm very much dealing with that at this moment. I, I just remind myself, I just got to keep moving forward. Um, I can't, I mean, I could, I guess, self-publish, um, but I was not allowed to write another novel after six weeks, uh, in the same universe. And so, um, I had to pivot and go to something new. And that was that that was upsetting in a, in a different level, <laughs> but um, you know, and and working on uh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> Let's interview you more. Um, <laughs> you doing good. Go no, ahead. I just I. It's been weird knowing that that I don't know what made six wakes as popular as it was. And I 
don't know and if I don't know what it was then it's hard to uh do it again and mm -hmm. uh absolutely yeah so going to something new is scary but going to something new is also really exciting because mm -hmm. I mean I'm not writing a murder mystery at all in this new thing it's totally different um, hopefully people who like my stuff, like my voice and will go into a new area with me. Cause that's still the same, mm -hmm. but, um, it is, it is fun playing with something new. And I try to hold on to that feeling for a while. If that hopefully keeps me from looking back going, Oh, I've already peaked. That, that was my prime. And I also try to remember that a lot of people still tell Stephen King that The Stand was their favorite book, and he's doing okay. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good perspective to no, have. No, it is. It is. Absolutely. It is. I'm yeah. all glad that kind of just the revelation of that, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Steve going to be all right. Um, yeah. No, I think you, no, you really hit on something that resonated with me there, which is that idea of like you do a thing and it, Against all odds, really, because any most books, I'm not going to say any book, but I think like 99% of books becoming successful at all is so against the odds at this point. So you do something that's successful and then you're like, I have no idea what made that successful. I want to do it again, but I have not, I can't bring any other than just doing that same book or doing another book of that series. How do I do that again with another book? Because we just, we don't know this thing. Most authors, and, and like even authors who think they do or say they do because they've had success i'm not even sure they do i have no idea how a book becomes successful like i have you know i have some vague semblances of things that help or work or whatever but at the end of the day i'm mystified by books that become successful because obviously people like them and there are books that grow organically by word of mouth and they're just very good and people do get on to them that's the thing that happens but then there are also plenty of books that are brilliant that that doesn't happen to and they just linger and, and die in obscurity so it is like you feel like it's almost like doing a magic trick when you don't know how the trick is done it's like i pulled it off but i have no idea how i did it so i can't mm -hmm. do it again like that's that is always weighs heavily on my mind um and also it just kind of transitioned into i i wanted to ask you fun about this like another side of that so we, we kind of talk about how switching gears and doing this entirely new thing coming off like the Greenwald side. We talk about the internal process, but in terms of like literally the marketing and promotion and working with the publisher is, are these conversations you've had about, okay, I, you did this very successful thing. Now you're doing this entirely new thing. Like how are we going to market this to Fonda Lee fans? Like, is that a conversation mm -hmm. yet? Or were they just happy to get Fonda Lee and like, we'll just, Hey, you wrote the Greenbone saga. We're good. We just need your name. And that's it. Like, what were the, what are the conversations like when you're talking about marketing untethered sky and going out with this very different thing for you? Yeah. I mean, it, it, one, um, aspect that, uh, obviously weighed into it is the fact that it's with a different publisher. Right. So, um, tour.com is putting out untethered sky and, um, and so it, it's less about like, how I, there's definitely i think in their minds like of course they would like all the readers of the great bone saga to also pick up untethered sky um and they're depending partly on me and my ability to meet my reach my readers through newsletter or social media platforms and so on um but also they have like a very i think at this point a well-oiled machine when it comes to marketing novellas mm -hmm. because they kind of own that space yeah right, and right. so like it was it was really um, actually pretty refreshing and interesting for me to see how like a different publisher's marketing department worked and the things that they put together that were like different from my my previous publisher um, and like how, you know, like for example, I, I kind of 
wondered about like uh, like one of the reasons actually that like I re- I was really excited about doing a novella with Tor.com is because they have like a really unique model for their novellas. Like even the contract setup is very different. Um, right. And they have like, it's a, either a low or no advance, um, but they, it's, it's nicer on like the royalty side and like have a fantastic art department. So I was like, just like immediately stoked that I would get this fantastic cover, which I did. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so like I, it, it's been a combination of, I think, them being optimistic that a significant number of my readers will will check out my new work and them being confident that they know how to market and distribute and promote a novella length work um so i'm i obviously it's not launched yet so i can't tell you whether or not that's successful um but so far all the like signs look pretty hopeful and um and i and it's like also been um a nice like break in a sense to um hopefully like do something that will reach different readers right um and and i also know that because it's a novella length project some people who won't have invested in reading a giant epic fantasy trilogy this might be the first work of mine that they discover that's a really cool way to look at it. And yeah. I think exactly, yeah, exactly. You should. So I'm just curious, uh, just talking about it, because you're right, Tor.com, you know, they got cornered the market right now, sometimes it's the detriment of other novellas, I feel, but whatever, that's a different conversation. <laughs> Did that um, factor into, like, if another publisher who didn't have as big a market share and as well-established uh, kind of a machine with novellas had come to you and said, do you want to do a novella, would you have been more hesitant than you were because it was Tor.com? Like, would, would it have been a tougher choice for you to make? Well, I actually did write another novella for Subterranean Press. Oh, and yeah, that was good. yeah, and and the reason why I think I was excited about that was because it was a spin-off from the Greenbone Saga. Right. So it was a way for me to play in that world a little bit more um and to kind of do something that would have um a like really beautiful limited edition uh hardback oh, yeah. and be something special that I could do for readers. Um so uh so yeah, I, I think that like um, having confidence that your publisher knows what they're doing, and in this case, like Tor.com knows what they're doing with the villains. Right. Subterranean Press has a very, they have a very specific role in our industry and they do what they do extremely well. Oh yeah. Um, so I felt yeah. confident working with them as well. Um, so just kind of being being confident that like my publisher wanted to work with me and knew what they were doing and could get the book out there, um, you know, is is definitely a big part of it. No, absolutely. I think that's a really important standard to apply to a publisher to anything you do, really, in a very general way. Like, yeah, being being confident in them and their ability to, to do them. And having a track record of some kind certainly helps. I mean, so, like you said, Subterranean yeah. is a very different animal than, than Tor.com. But what they do, they do yeah. beautifully well. I have so many of their books. They're just like art. So, I mean, yeah. you know. Not yeah. Like, you know I mean? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it's worth uh, mentioning, I think, for, you know, all the writers who are listening, that like I didn't intend to write either of those novellas initially. Like it wasn't like I wrote it and then I was looking for a publisher, like you do with your first novel. Right. Um, I kind of you reach a point in your career where people come up to you with with ideas and or like, oh, would you like to do this? Would you write this? Will you contribute to this anthology? And for each opportunity, you sort of evaluate like, is this something that I 
that fits with what I want to do. Um, right. And in the case of Subpress, they approached me, and I was and I was immediately like, oh yeah, I'd write a novella in this world. Like that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. And same with um, with Tor.com. It was actually over a breakfast at a Worldcon in Dublin that uh, my editor Jonathan Strawn sat down with me and was like, hey, have you thought about writing a novella? Um, so that, that I think adds a little bit to the complexity of our careers at a certain point of like, what do you say yes to versus right. like, yeah, what do you say no to? I think when Jonathan no, Strawn true. asked you for a novella, you say yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Jonathan exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, that's fair, but no, but, but in a, but in a very realistic way though, you can't, you do have to consider from oh, a yeah. career standpoint still, you can't be starstruck and you got to do it. Like for me, honestly, I was very surprised when um, I was contacted by reading Untethered Sky. Just I hadn't known I hadn't known you were doing that, and in my mind, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Fawn is coming off the the Greenwald Saga. Like I'm waiting for like the announcement for the new giant Fondly epic fantasy yeah, novel yeah. series that's coming out. Like that's what I'm expecting. And then I yeah. hear, oh, a monster hunting novella from Tordarka. Like I did not see that coming at all. But that was really yeah. cool when I heard that. I thought, no, I'm, I love that she's doing that. It's not what I would have expected at all. So that's, it's just, it's, that was, I, I think there's value. Like, it's just a cool thing to do, first of all. And I'm very excited. It's a cool book. But I think there's value in kind of doing something unexpected, I think that could be categorized as unexpected like mm -hmm. that, you know? And like you said, reaching a new audience with it instead of just rolling on with, I do these giant, you know, tomes now. Here's this sort of smaller and linked version of what I do that, you know, people can access who aren't necessarily going to commit to the the huge book, like you said. So, and, you know, right, I, I, right. and I'm just, I'm honestly just saying all this out loud because I want people, the authors listening to kind of get, get that vibe and understand like, that's a choice you can make. You don't have to be locked into doing the same thing over and over again. You should look for new roads and new opportunities. You know, it's a, it's a cool thing to do for your career, I think. Can I ask a question? Yeah, about... I don't know if it's like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to just say, and it's, it may or may not be like necessarily what your publisher wants you to do or like, like right. the most optimal, I guess, career building thing. But um, I do try to look at it, look at it in terms of like the overall breadth of your work over your entire career. Um, well, hopefully, you know, I mean, there's, there's, co there's coherence there because it's all you, um, right. but also, uh, yeah, like you have to kind of, I, I think work on what is catching your fire at that mm. moment, because that's what'll go smoother, right? Like I could have been like, okay, now I have to write another gigantic epic fantasy. Um, right. And I have another one, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm sure, no, yeah, but right. it's a few years down the road, right? Like right. I also like that, I think for me to, to, to do that, that might've been harder and slower and like not what I personally really wanted to do as opposed to, you know, what I ended up doing. No, very, totally an excellent point to make as well. Yeah. And you're right. The thing that's going to catch fire for you, it definitely is going to go smoother than forcing yourself when you maybe you're not ready to do it. Like you said, the next one would be years yeah. down the line. You may need those years to recover from doing that giant epic series. You know, that's okay to give I'm yourself I'm still recovering. I, I have no doubt, dude. No doubt at all. Uh, Maria, you were, you were saying? Yeah, I wanted to ask about your pre-order campaign. Um, I've been hearing more and more authors doing that, and I'm honestly curious, is that... Is that your idea or is that marketing's idea? How much of the fulfillment, aside from signing the book plates, um, mm -hmm. are you responsible for? And uh, how do they have they shown you numbers as to what they expect the pre-order campaign to do? I'm just been curious because I've seen more and more authors do it. And it seems like the rewards are stickers and a signature like yours, which seem to be easy to fulfill. Um, yeah. And not so much of a nightmare 
that require boxes. Envelopes are so much <laughs> yeah, better yeah. than boxes. I've learned. Uh, I learned Definitely. this. Oh my God, I learned this. Envelope, all, envelopes all the way. But I'm getting off yes. track. But tell me about the pre-order campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, in the case of Untethered Sky, the pre-order campaign is run by Tor.com. So my only real responsibility is signing the book plates. And then they will take care of fulfillment. They have a form um, that if you uh, pre-order the book, you go in there and you upload your receipt and your inf your mailing information, and they will send you uh, the pre-order swag. Um, so that's lovely. They've been they they designed the sticker and everything in the in the book plate. Um, so they've been fantastic about that. I have also run pre-order campaigns on my own, um, and I did that for uh, Jade War and Jade Legacy um, with with the Greenbone Saga. And in that case, um, I did the my publisher. Um, helped with creating like the swag that that, that we made a really nice little um, a f um, piece of art um, that we print that uh, got printed out as a uh, like a postcard size thing and um, they also designed the book plate but then I was in charge of um, collecting the pre-orders I created a form for it and then wow. filling it and that was like quite a lot of work because you're <laughs> Yeah. Sounds like a fucking nightmare. Was like, completely roped, with yeah. it, it was like I roped my whole family into stuffing envelopes <laughs> and licking oh and sealing envelopes and stamping. It was it was a big it was it was a considerable thing. Um so I I definitely think um that uh if you're an author and you're considering a pre-order campaign, um first of all, like what publisher support are you gonna have? Like take that into consideration. Um if your publisher is running it awesome you know you have to do very little work um, but if you're going to run it yourself you definitely have to think about things like um how much postage you're going to incur making sure that it is fit, that does fit into like a flat rate envelope because you can um you can rack up postage very very quickly uh you know the cost of of creating the swag and and printing it and sending it out and i mean it is it's a de decent amount so i think it depends on um you know how uh, or what your goals are for the pre-order campaign. Like if your goal is to, um, you know, get a certain, a certain uplift in sales, um, you know, sort of, you have to sort of think about the cost benefit there, right? Like how many pre-orders do you have to get for this amount of effort for it to be worth it for you? Um, right. And it may work better for some books than others. Like, let's say it, you're, it's, um, the second or third book in a trilogy, I think a pre-order campaign can do a lot for people, people who've already read the first book and you want to like incentivize them to actually pick up the second or third book. And that's the reason why I did a pre-order campaign for the second two books in the Greenbone oh, Saga. Oh, interesting. Um, mm. and, and versus I think if you're a brand new, like debut author um, and you don't have a considerably large platform to drive a pre-order campaign, I don't know if it's worth it. Um, so you, it, it, it's, it's definitely something that I think can help with buzz and help with those initial sales, but it's also a lot of work. So weigh those considerations. Sometimes your family is standing around a living room, stuffing envelopes and looking at you like you're this big award winning fantasy author. Why the hell Seriously. are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I love that though. I love, uh, I don't, I think it's, I'm not, I was going to say I love smacking people in the face of the reality of these things on the show, but it's more about, I think it's important to do that because, you know, you get, people see the gloss on social media. They don't see the grind that goes into it. So I just, I think that's a perfect yeah. visual 
of, you know, your husband, and your kids stuffing these envelopes and then in your, in your oh, house, yeah. right? like these things happen. Um, I want to kind of just dovetail off that and throw this out to both of you. And I'm honestly just spitballing here. I just came up with it. Well, what do we think of pre-order campaigns using more like virtual rewards, like digital stuff that can be emailed. So you're mm-hmm. not doing the physical part. Do you feel like there is less value in that than physical objects? Do you feel like people want that tactile? You know, they want the sticker. They want something that exists in the, in the real world. Does it make it less special and less appealing if it's, if it's digital or is that, or is that a way you can go, especially if you're on your own and not necessarily having the resources mm-hmm. and the support mm-hmm. from, from your publisher to do that? Do you think it's, it's still worthwhile to try to go that way to, to make something out of it? Uh, pre-order campaign reps? What do you think, Fonda? I've definitely seen authors offer something digital, like a deleted scene or an extra chapter Ooh. or something mm. like that. Um, and I think I I think they have gone well. I think mm. I, and they certainly cut down on fulfillment costs. Of course, you yeah, don't have right. to, you know, incur the the all the postage and all that. Um, so I think if it works well for your book and for your fan base, um, that could be great. Uh, but it sort of depends, you know, if you have that. Like, do you do you have a have an electronic or are you willing to write an additional short story right or a, right what have you got to have, offer have yeah. Scenes? yeah and also like what will your readers appreciate right. um, like there's no real point for me to offer deleted scenes from untethered sky like the book is itself like a less than 100 pages 150 pages, so <laughs> it doesn't really makes sense um but like for the Greenbone saga the art you know of of the whole um, mm-hmm. all the characters together that was something that my readers really valued um because my covers you know don't have any um, don't have like the characters depicted on them. So for them to get that was like, I, I think right. we're that. So yeah, like what do your readers want and what are you willing to offer? No, very good points. What do you think, Mer? I don't know. My first thought um, actually went to like computer games and how sometimes there's digital swag that comes out for that. And if you could have digital swag connected to like something an author plays, like if you could have, say, a wheel of cheese branded by N.K. Jemison in Skyrim. <laughs> because you, if you know, if you watch N.K. Jemison play Skyrim on Twitch, you will right. know that one of her big goals is to run around and steal all the cheese she can. Yeah. That yeah. would be something that would be really funny and weird. Um, although it's a lot harder for an author the size of me to get a game on board with something like that but for some reason right. like digital things i just immediately thought of games because i guess that's where my brain goes but i like the uh people love to see the deleted stuff they love to see the stuff that mm-hmm. you didn't put in or even um what might have been right and uh mm-hmm. i try to give a couple of deleted scenes or uh works in progress to my patreon supporters with the caveat that you know this may change a lot um <laughs> and probably will but yeah it's it's interesting actually speaking of of uh jemison she had some uh she's released stuff connected to um the broken sky trilogy on her uh patreon and I don't know if that went out to anybody else. And that was really cool to get. So um, then again, if you're in KGMS, <laughs> your deleted well, yeah. things could do that. But um, I don't know. It's I think digital rewards are pretty cool. I think I would like to see like art. You could do digital art rewards and right. you could, you know, 
uh, commission an artist and pay once, and then it's free to send out. Um, right. No, the idea of focusing yeah. on content with it is very interesting to me, like, as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, a sticker, as opposed to swag, you know, focusing on the content side of things with that. Because it, it did occur to me when Fano was talking, that does sound very, like a very Patreon exclusive kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And people do dig that when they're in. Yeah. But then, you know, you're kind of, like you said, you're targeting those people who are going to appreciate that that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But dude, Mer, I think the, like, the branded, like, the sponsored, the Skyrim thing, that's a great idea. Like, and like you said, obviously not everybody's going to be able to get Skyrim the back i'm not everybody's gonna be able to get a Fortnite skin but i mean <laughs> it made me think of like you know i'm doing the the uh, void merch thing with uh, yeah. jordan like i have a merch store with void merch that has stuff based on all of my books and now i work those into giveaways with the savage books coming out cool. so like whatever level you're on if you're if you're publishing a book you know it, it occurs to me that's an idea you could explore go out and find smaller brands you know find brands that are looking for exposure themselves and maybe partner with them to do something that's that's a cool avenue to that's, explore you that. know that's yeah. something that I've thought about, Matt, but like haven't really explored. So I'm super curious to hear how the merch thing is working out for you. I, I have a Patreon and, um, and that's been where I've put uh, like short stories and Greenbone Saga related content. And in fact, the um, the Subterranean Press short story collection that's coming out in the summer started off as me putting those short stories on Patreon. And right. then Bill at Sub Press was like, hey, if you did more of these, we'd put them out as a collection. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll I'll do that then. Oh, um, but nice. it started it started out very much as like me putting I did like a travel guide to John Loon, just like the Greenbone Saga world and um, you know, other little behind the scenes type things and put them out um on Patreon. Um, right. but I am like I, I but I, I think that's kind of um one among, you know, multiple ways that as authors we can sort of it's going to sound terrible, but like monetize our content, right? No, like it's not terrible, this work into like yeah. the, the thing and like, how else can we, can we get it out there? Like the different parts of it. And merch is something that I'm curious about because it, it is something that of course, all, you know, other IP run right. by big company will do, but as authors, yeah. we, we don't, really like that's not something we no do. it isn't i've been i've been preaching that for years like i want author action figures yeah. i'm like because you know i come i come from pro wrestling originally i want a funko I mean, pop i want yeah, a matt funko, yeah. wallace funko pop i want a matt wallace funko yeah. pop but yeah no now i'm just thinking about what that would look like and what the chase variant would look like but anyway no but i come coming from pro wrestling originally like and especially now in the modern era with the internet and everything Merch is everything to an independent professional wrestler. Like they all have T-shirts. Mm, it's one. It's something right, that right. allows them to not have to kill themselves. You know, driving and and flying to you know events every day to try to make like it's a good source of revenue. And every they all have that. And I look at that and I go, why don't authors have that? Because I feel like we have the same kind of uh, followings mm -hmm. in that way. You have those kind of cult followings where people love your characters. They love what you do. They want to rock the merch. And so I, that's why I was really excited when when Jordan and Void Merch started doing this thing, especially came to me. And the model's really good with what Jordan's doing because it's it's all, um, you know, it's print-on-demand stuff. So Jordan's not stocking anything. Um, and it's more like, so neither, neither of us have to really carry a big financial burden up front that we have to see return on, which is a good way to do it. And I don't think you sacrifice quality for it either, because I have this stuff, like I have here, I have a mug right, right here I can show on the stream. That's my little Sinajur coffee mug from my Sinajur awesome. series. Yeah, and this is the yeah. kind of stuff, this is the kind of stuff you can get from the merch store, and it's really good stuff. Jordan works incredibly hard on the design side. I'm very proud of all the designs we've come up with for my stuff. It's all original designs based on the worlds of my fiction. And um, like, I'm not gonna lie, the sales haven't been blockbuster because I don't have as big a following as other authors do. That's where I'm at and that's okay. 
But I'll tell you where it really has helped is like I said, when I use it for my own promotional ends, like I find <laughs> the giveaways I've done get way more traction and way more interest when I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give away the book and then here's the t-shirt of the book with a really cool design on it. Whereas if I'm just giving the book away alone, I'll maybe see about half the interest and half the participation that I do if I got the swag with it. And it makes it really easy on me because it's not a big fulfillment thing for me. I can literally just get the shirt ordered and shipped to whoever uh, wins if I want to. So that yeah. side of it, I have seen a lot of, of return on just in terms of exposure and eyes on it and people being more interested. But I definitely think it's something that authors should get into and, ex and explore more just in general because it really can be a very good uh, revenue stream. So that's where I'm at with it. Like the sales alone haven't been great for me yet. But I do really uh, think it brings value on the promotional side when you're doing things like giveaways and, and things like that. So, and a lot of potential there beyond that, you know, especially when you when you're an author who has more of a following or is really starting to get to where you are fond of, like it can really help. So it's a cool thing to do. Um, well, so like I said, yeah, inspired me to look into it for sure. Well, you absolutely should. I I want fond of. Should I should? Yeah. Like, I'd be well, all what's, over that. what's funny yeah. is like a, a reader, like a fan, created a Greenbone Saga hoodie. Oh wow! And right. um, as and I've, and it's it's sold a number of units because I've definitely seen like other right. readers um, sporting it, and like that's awesome. Like I'm happy for a reader or fans to create stuff um, out of my world and and to um, you know to 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 create cool designs and fan art and fan merch and all yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like I, that that's something that uh, that like. I haven't really looked into, but you've definitely, you've motivated me to now. I'm now. glad, dude. Well, again, you're, like you said, it's just not something that's built into the culture or into the industry, so we yeah. don't naturally think about it, but I absolutely think it should yeah. start becoming more ingrained in that. It's not, and it's a natural progression of what you do, so I hope I hope to see it more and more. And yeah, you definitely should look into that. And you too, Mer. Damn it. You have merch, though, don't you, Mer? I have merch. Um, yeah, I merch. have not, I, I think I'd like a graphic designer to look at it, because mm. while my merch is usually, uh, it's my a lot of my emotes um right. the tiny mer emotes just larger but i still feel like there's something i'm missing to make a good logo on a shirt like i don't know if it's size or placement or whatever there's something it's it's kind of like you know sometimes you can tell a self-published cover even though it looks just fine yeah. there's right. something in there that you know it's yeah. self-published and you know it's it's not professionally graphically designed cover um it feels like that it feels like i've got i like the art and i got a shirt and i got a good you know it's really easy to make your own t-shirts these days but i still feel like there's something missing so um you know i might look into doing getting a designer um on board but uh fonda we've had you for almost an hour here i would like to ask one more quick question um uh since you mentioned patreon i did put a link in the chat and we'll put a link in the show notes um, how do you find managing a Patreon, uh, in addition to everything else you do? Is it challenging? Do you, I do you mess with your tiers a yeah, lot? Yeah, so what? I don't. I keep it super, super simple. And the reason is because I, for the very longest time, resisted doing a Patreon. I saw other authors and creatives putting together Patreons, and I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. That sounds like a lot of work. Um, it would tie me to providing monthly content. Um, I just don't have, I don't even know what I would put on there. So I didn't do a Patreon for years and years. And then the, in 2021, that was the year that Green, that Jade Legacy came out and the Greenbone Saga finished. And I had a bunch of like short stories that I had continued to 
to write in the world. And I had like some behind the scenes world building stuff. And I was like, I actually have stuff now that I would be happy to give out to readers um, on a Patreon. So I set it up and the way I set up the Patreon was this is only gonna run for one year and I'm kind of gonna pre-schedule the things that I'm gonna put out on the Patreon and sort of a place for me um, to share all this fun stuff and sort of celebrate with my readers the end of this trilogy. And that worked out pretty well. Um, and so at the end of the year, I basically moved into, into low maintenance mode. So now it's, it's super simple. There's like one tier, it's four bucks. Um, I post roughly once a month, but like whenever I have something that I think is cool enough to share. And, um, and then I have like one higher level tier that's, uh, less limited. And, um, for that, like people get assigned first edition, like hardback of my newest release, like whenever it comes out. Unfortunately, so, folks, it is sold out. I'm looking at it right now. Then that one is sold out. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, like I uh, I think you can get really hardcore with your Patreon. I've seen authors do um, amazing Patreons with multiple tiers, and they hold classes and um, you know critiques and writing workshops and like all sorts of amazing stuff. Uh, but that is definitely not something I feel like I have the bandwidth for. And I very much wanted the Patreon to be something that was manageable for me, but also still valuable and fun for readers yeah. um, and supporters. So that's kind of the way I um, I approach it. I know for some authors, it is like a serious whole other side job um, and brings in a significant income for them. But uh, for me to engage in Patreon, I had to keep it like at a certain level. And I, I think it's certainly doable. And, um, and, and I would say anyone who's considering a Patreon, just kind of go in with realistic expectations of like what time you can give to it and what you want to offer um and whether that's sustainable yes no, sailing advice absolutely and that kind of awareness i think you know it applies to everything you do as an author when you consider taking on or trying anything ancillary to the actual writing and everything else you do because <laughs> you know we already have a lot going on just by default so you definitely yeah you got yeah. it's a good standard to apply yeah, yeah. Um, how have you approached it mer Oh, I've approached it by uh, flailing about, changing my <laughs> tier structure, doing uh, tier cha yeah tier changes, uh, giving plateauing hard, getting pulls out, and hearing the oh so very very sweet but ultimately unhelpful. We just want to support you. When you ask what kind of um, rewards do you want, it's like, that's what your fans will say. And it is wonderful. And it is so kind. Mm -hmm. But it's not something you can take to other people. <laughs> you can't go to yeah. somebody who's not abstract, familiar yeah. with you and just say, yeah. hey, you know, you really want to support me. I, I know right. you don't know who I am, but you really want to. So, <laughs> you know, knowing what people are into is um, is is key. And I think one thing that, it's funny, one thing I, uh, that people love is the thing I'm giving away at my lowest level. <laughs> and so um, I just, and I'm not going to make that more expensive, definitely not. But it's, uh, you know, it's like the pay, uh, the Discord, Discord and early episodes, that's what people really want. And the, some exclusive mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and that's like available to the lowest tier possible. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel it's some early on, I was looking at Cameron Hurley's um, 
Patreon, and she was giving something away at $85 that I was giving away at 20 And then I'm like, well, now I'm fucked because I can't do what she does because you can't, you can't raise the price like that. You're just an asshole. You just look at Cameron and you're thinking, wow, she must be worth a lot. Cameron's amazing. And you look at Murr, Murr goes from 20 to 85 And then it's like, what the hell, what the hell do you think you are? So I I love Patreon. They have been very supportive, especially in the past couple of years. And um, you know I've I've gotten excellent, you know, really excellent community. But I still feel like I don't know what I'm quite doing, and that's frustrating. So. Um, but common, I I feel like I don't know what I'm doing all the time with everything I do. Yeah. Literally everything, everything in life, in my career, and everything. So at least yeah, you're not alone, Mer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's your last chance, folks, in chat. Um, if you want to ask Fonda a question, for those of you not in chat and listening later, we do try to do uh, live shows of Ditch Diggers twice a month, usually on Mondays at 2 p.m. We're trying to go for every other day, every other week, but that's not happening this month. So, um, because I have appointments in two weeks. So, uh, keep your eye out and we will be on and sometimes we'll have a guest. Sometimes we won't, but we're live at 2 PM Eastern time, twitch.tv slash mighty Murr. Um, and you know, you can ask live questions in the chat and hang out with really cool people. Um, like Fonda, us. Yeah, like <laughs> I was thinking the other people in the chat, but <laughs> yes, us too. Uh, Fonda, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? You know what? I, I actually heard someone say, you know, I hate it when people ask me, is there anything you want to talk about? Because that's just them being lazy. And I'm like, fuck you. Sometimes you want to talk about something and the person doesn't know what that is. We're not mind readers. I know. So I say this with the utmost respect. If there is anything that we should have asked you or you wanted to talk about Fonda, please. We actually haven't talked about the plot of the book. This is what happens when I take a break, y'all. We all, all we've said is like Monster Hunter novella. Can you give us the, 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 you know, the back copy of Untethered Sky? That sounds like a good idea. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. For <laughs> I'm so sorry. Talk about the book that I'm supposed to be launching. I appreciate love that. love you, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so uh, Untethered Sky, it's my new novella. It's coming out April 11th. Um, you can pre-order it now. It is also going to have an audiobook, Ooh. which comes out April 25th um, and awesome. is narrated by Nikki Masood, which is, I'm very excited about. Oh. Um, and Untethered Sky is a, I have described it as a wildlife memoir with monsters. And it is nice. about a young woman who... Um, is uh, training a rock, giant mythical bird of prey, to hunt man-eating manticores. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm quite proud of it, and I hope you all check it out when it comes out. Excellent. So good. So good. And where can we find you online? You can find me um, on my website, FondaLee.com. I'm on Instagram, Fonda.Lee. I am on the Cursed Bird app at FondaJLee. And uh, my Patreon, Fondalee.com slash, or Patreon.com slash Fondalee. Yes. We are trying to get Fonda to adopt the name Fonda, and that's it. But Just um, Fonda. We've just just tried to get her this for the last hour, so we're not sure where it sits with her now. But, you know, just think about it. Just Just a workshop in it. Yeah, yeah. You know. The idea of going with the uniname. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) I love it. Matt, do you want to tell us where to find you? 
Yeah, so uh, I'm also still most commonly on the Twitters at Matt F. and Wallace, uh, although I am trying to do more Instagram because Twitter is dying. Uh, mm. So I'm on, tw- I'm on Instagram with the same name. Um, I do also want to say, Fonny, you have one of my favorite writer Insta- uh, Twitters uh, by far. Oh, thank right? you. Fonny's Twitter is so good. Um, you can find me at matt-wallace.com and, uh, I have, you know, I have the books coming out, as I mentioned, Savage Crowns comes out June 13th, Nowhere Special comes out in October, I forget the day, but they're both available for pre-order now, anywhere you pre-order your books, uh, I always encourage you to support indies and they'll order the books for you, uh, if you just go ask, so support your local indie bookshop. But yeah, do please pre-order those books. It would mean a lot to me. I'm finishing a trilogy with one, and the other one I think is the best thing I've ever written, to be honest with you. So please I'm go. I'm super with. excited about that one. I, yeah, I, I mean, I love all your work, Matt, but like your middle grade hits, like, wow. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I'm, yeah, yeah, it's a totally... Yeah, I, it's been the source... And I mean, for I've um, listened to the audiobooks with my son, like driving oh. to sports tournaments and stuff, and that so they've been they've been delightful. That makes yeah. me so happy. I can't even tell you, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, so please do listen to Fonda and go support my really great stuff. Yes. What about you, Mer? Uh, you can Your find places. my stuff at merverse.com. And uh, I have a new book, Chaos Terminal, which is out in November. You can pre-order it now, and the cover is out, and I'm very excited about it. Um, See the cover? Okay. I, I'm going to look for it. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I forgot to put it on the stream, but you can. Um, it's up on various sites and my site. Um, it's another uh, cover by Will Staley, which is, uh, he did the first one, so it's you can bet it's going to be amazing. And uh, I do a couple of podcasts, uh, this one, Ditch Diggers, and the other one I should be writing, which streams live on Twitch, and then you can find it wherever you find your podcast. Just search for either my name or Ditch Diggers or I should be writing, and you'll find it. Um, I'm also on TikTok as Mighty Murr, Cursed Bird site as Mighty Murr, and um, those are the two places I'm trying to move from one to the other, um, even though I hear that more people are trying to block TikTok. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm also on Mastodon, not terribly regularly, but I'm trying to get there more often. I guess we're all trying to find that that Twitter replacement. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. such chaos. It it's all chaos. It's chaos. It's chaos. I'm <laughs> I'm taking the like the the uh, approach of just kind of like stand by and watch the carnage and yeah. then like wait to see what what emerges from yeah, that. I did just look up the. It's been going on. I just looked up the uh, cover for Chaos Terminal. It's awesome. Thank so you. good, yeah. right? So yeah. good. Yeah. I feel yeah. like your co- those covers could be art prints. You yeah, know? Like well, I've really- got, the, I've got yeah. the first one hanging in my uh, downstairs. So, cool. so yeah. Yeah. No, I love that I love so his good. work. It's so retro future. I really love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me and. Thank you so much, Fonda, for being on the show. We should not wait so long to have you on again. Um, but yeah, I, I have to think write we're more books, to... I guess. I just <laughs> write more books so I come back on Ditch Diggers. Yes, keep writing more books and then you can come back. Or, you know, we could just have All you right. on because All you're right. awesome. <laughs> I mean, that'd be fine too. Yes. It's always uh, great hanging out with you guys. You too, Fonda. And we're going to try to raid Space Valkyries if... Oh, no, Space Valkyries stopped being live, apparently. I missed the window. Oh, no. Can you raid somebody else? I don't know how Twitch works. I don't know anybody else. 
who there are no there are no other twitchers do they call them twitchers it's what are they called streamers i it's i can see or see, see them they're live right now it should be called and twitchers twitchers should, yeah well you, twitchers. you know you could say that and try to get that uh <laughs> me and fond will try to get it going yeah try to get that oh, going yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did that work? Okay, I did make the raid. Okay, we are raiding for yeah, the Valkyries. Yeah. The raid call is uh, hashtag merraid and any of my emotes um, or just say hi. I believe they're playing uh, Infinite Guitars, which is I think is a new sh uh, rhythm game, maybe? But anyway, also amazing author. They had their first pro sale in Beneath Ceaseless Skies last week. No. Nice. Um, Congratulations. I recommend nice. you checking it out. It's a really good story. Um, and then go and yell that uh, you're excited to be in Beneath Cease the Sky's author's Space Valkyries chat, because that will make them delighted and possibly embarrassed, but in a good way. So Yes, everybody go do that. Yes. This podcast was produced under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Music provided by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com. Ditch Diggers! This is a free podcast brought to you by the kindness of our patrons. If you would like to also be kind and a patron, go to patreon.com slash mightymurr.